Welcome into another episode. We're talking today, Craig Malawsaw and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Danny, how are you today? Doing great, buddy. How are you? I am awesome. It was nice to have a little Sunday off to get a little extra rest in. I went out to mow the yard yesterday and I saw, I could hear the neighbors uh, behind me. That It sounded like they had a little family gathering. So I decided not to make their life miserable and mow my lawn on Easter Sunday. So uh, that's a good guy. Uh, not always. I'm, I'm pretty much, I I'm a, I'm a jerk most of the time, you know, that, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, it, it was nice. Uh, you guys were home, we were home. So it's nice not to have to, to travel back and then kind of recuperate anyway from a trip, but, uh, well, we'll get into both of those games later on in the show, but let, let's start out. Let's jump right in. Uh, Coastal Carolina App State, uh, you know, is App State that bad? They're, I don't know what happened to their pitching, but they've definitely slipped a little bit, and it's probably because they've played some better competition, but they've lost nine in a row in conference now. They've gotten swept in three straight weekends. Coastal's starting to pick it up a little bit. They're figuring some things out, especially on the road. Usually they're at home. They dominate you, but they're starting to win games on the road now. But for App, I know they had to mix up their pitching a couple of weeks back when they had to put Cornatzer in for game one down in Mobile. They only scored two runs the entire weekend. This weekend, it looks like their pitching is faltering. They're not getting enough offense. And they've always had that thin margin for error. For Coastal, they're going to be able to swing. They're getting production from the top and the bottom of the order. The middle, I think that you're going to get what you're going to get. You know that they've got their mashers, and you know when they're at home, they're going to be able to drive the ball out of the ballpark. But it seems like they've gotten a nice extension from the top and the bottom of their order lately, and their bullpen didn't give up a single run the entire weekend. And that bullpen has not been good this year, so it feels like maybe they've turned a corner too. Well, that's what I was about to ask you. Is Coastal then that – I hate to say sleeper team because you never can sleep on coastal. They, they, like you said, they can hit the ball, especially at home, but to have a back end of the bullpen that does that, that can shut you down. That's something they haven't had in, in, in at least recent history. Even earlier this year, they were working through a number of different guys at Texas state. Their bullpen was not good at all. They gave up an eight, one lead in the finale. That's a game that they should have won. They probably should have taken that series and maybe they would have gotten the attention instead of Georgia Southern getting the attention from the series a couple of weekends ago in San Marcos. But if that's any indication of where they're headed, if their bullpen can be like that, their starters were really good. All their starters worked into at least the fifth inning and all gave up three runs or less. And then with that lineup, they're always going to be able to keep you in the game. They're basically a given for six runs per contest. But to give you an idea of how good the league has been so far, Coastal's eight, six, and one, and they're in seventh. Yeah, that that's what kind of scares me when I'm looking. There's there seems to be a log jam there with uh, Troy, South Alabama, Louisiana, and Coastal, and Little Rock's just right out of the picture there. Uh, and in no offense to uh, Texas State or Georgia Southern, but no one's running away with the league right now. So, And that, that shows you not only how good the league is this year, but how much depth there is in this league. And I, there was a story on D1 Baseball last week that Kendall Rogers said that the Sun Belt could possibly be looking at four bids. That hasn't happened for this league since 2013. I don't know if that's ultimately going to happen. There's still a month left in the season. You've still got the conference tournament, and there's a lot of things that could happen. But 
to get back to the thought that the Sun Belt could, one, be a multi-bid league, having been that since 2018. But if you could get to four bids after a year where nobody had more than 31 victories going into the conference tournament, that would be a huge jump. And I think that the league has collectively gotten a lot better in the last 12 months. Well, you know, right now you guys are sitting number eight in the RPI, which uh, I'm not sure who you ha- who you finished the season with, but more than likely just because of where the Sun Belt's been historically, you may slip a little bit, uh, even even winning or sweeping a series or two. So good for y'all, though. Congratulations on getting up there right now. That, that's something that we will have to deal with, and that's something that people that are starting to understand what RPI is and look, the RPI has been around. It's not a new idea, but the way we have discussed Eagle baseball in the air, it hasn't come up, but maybe a couple of times because Georgia Southern, they might be a top 50 here and there. But if you're a Sunbelt team in your top 50, that's probably not going to be good enough for an at-large unless you've got a really impressive resume that was before that. I'm talking about a lot of quad one wins. Georgia Southern has six quad one wins now. Being eighth in the RPI is terrific, but You've still got a series at Little Rock. You've still got a series where you're taking on UT Arlington end the season. They're below 200. You've just got to be careful with those games where if you lose, they do a lot more bad than if you win. It doesn't do that much good, but you have to win them just to tread water because if you lose, you're going to drop off quite considerably. The one thing that's been really good for the Eagles is that just a little while ago, D1 Baseball put out its new poll. Eagles are ranked 25th, and that's the first time they've been ranked since 2013. So that's that's a pretty big deal for Georgia Southern baseball. I, I think it's been some time since the Cajun fans have uh, really uh, been able to look at RPI, but but I think we understood it a little bit more back in 2014 when you know we were ranked number one in all the major polls, but at the same time, RPI was like sixth or fifth, you know, at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, R- RPI is an interesting discussion because if it's lower than your ranking, you think, oh, okay, that doesn't matter. But if it's a lot higher than where you are, it's, oh, well, we played a great schedule. People should be looking at us for it. It's just funny how mentally and psychologically the shift happens between what a ranking is and what an RPI is. But if you just take care of your business on the field, then it just kind of takes care of itself eventually. You know, all of those things being said, it doesn't matter what, what your RPI is or what your ranking is in any of those polls. If you take care of your business, like you said, is once you get into the – if you're in the tournament, you're one of the 64 teams, uh, you, that, that's where you want to be at the end of the season. Screw what, what, what anything else is. You want to be one of those 64 teams. And it has been tough for the Sun Belt since 2018 to get an at-large team. They haven't gotten one, even though I think that some years you could have seen somebody sneak in and go back to 2019 where Texas State won the regular season, but they go to Conway and they go two and Q. Yeah. They still had a chance to get in despite Coastal winning. If Georgia Southern would have won the championship that year because Texas State took two or three from the Eagles, I think the Sun Belt gets two teams in that year. And Brent Freeman and I have talked about that a couple of times because their resume was good enough to keep them in the discussion despite losing those two games in the tournament. But I think that their RPI would have risen high enough if the Eagles would have gotten the automatic bid. I do think Texas State would have gotten an at-large bid. This year, if things continue to trend, and I know that we all talked about it a few weeks ago when we were down in Lafayette, but if things continue to go like this, the Sun Belt should easily get a couple of teams this year. That's not stretching the conversation. That's just where we are, and I think that's where we're headed even more. No, with with uh, the conference itself as a, a five RBI, so that's uh, it, it that that tells us that we're 
we're doing a better job scheduling, not only doing a better job scheduling, but winning those games scheduling as well. So, all righty. Well, let's move on. Uh, Arkansas State and Little Rock. I, you know, I don't think a big big surprise there. Arkansas State, uh, you know, well, how surprised were you, though, that they didn't play a third game, they didn't try to get that game in on a doubleheader or anything like that? I, I don't know had, what the what. They would have had to have say said beforehand that look, we're going to play two on Friday, like South and Troy ended up doing, and I will get to that in a little bit. But anybody that knows that has traveled to Little Rock, and this is not a slight against them, but the field has gone through the rigors over the years, and if it rains a little bit there, it doesn't drain. That's just that's just the setup. That's just how it is because they've got such unique turf infield, grass outfield. That's got to be a very difficult thing to try to properly drain. So anytime it rains considerably, it's not one where you're going to be able to wait around and get the game in. I think all of us in the league knew that that was going to be done. But for Arkansas State to go there, win to their first two league victories, and I think I said last week that they were going to get at least one this weekend. This, this was not one where Little Rock was going to dominate them. Now, Ark State tried to give them both games. Yeah. The bullpen nearly gave both away. But to see them hold the number one offense in the league down for two straight, at least enough to win, uh, I was pretty happy to see them get their first two victories. Yeah, I, I'm just glad uh, it didn't come a week earlier uh, with the Cajuns going up there. <laughs> so, but no, uh, uh, Texas State UTA uh, again. Uh, I, I know for both of our our, our sakes. It, uh, and if the conference wants to get a multi-bid league team in, it was good to see Texas State sweep uh, UTA, I guess. Uh, I know all things being equal, it really doesn't matter who wins who because we play everybody. And I'm not sure who you guys don't have on your schedule. But that that was still good to see for the conference, uh, in my opinion, that UTA, uh, Texas State bounced back from uh, from their weekend with y'all. We we do not play ULM this year, so the only way that we would see the Warhawks is at the tournament and what they did this weekend in one of those games. It still makes them a feared team with the way that that offense goes, that they can pitch a little bit. I know we've talked about that so many times, but with Texas State, after losing three of four the week before, in part because of Georgia Southern taking two out of those three, they beat Baylor, fine midweek victory at home. And then to win all three on the road, I know UT Arlington is below 200 in the RPI, but those are ones that they were going to stay ranked. They probably had to sweep. They did to go 4-0, and they bumped up to number 17 in this week's top 25. So you got two Sunbelt teams in the top 25 going into this week's action, which I think is outstanding. You look at how teams will handle pitching when it's the Easter weekend because you've got to bump up Thursday through Saturday. Some guys you look at, do you want to move them up? to try to set things up differently going forward. Do you want to keep somebody else on normal rest? And then we'll look different going forward anyway. Both those teams moved everybody up one day for Texas State. It was the same three guys going with Wood and then with Wells and then finishing things up with Bush. They just, they hit the ball all over the yard all weekend. They needed a rally in the ninth inning to win game two. For Arlington, their two best bullpen guys last year are now in their rotation with King in game one and Wong in game two. It looks like they've used David Moffitt in a number of 
bullpen roles, whether it's closing or the, the piggyback, if you will, to go multiple innings. They're, they're having a lot of trouble figuring things out of the mound. And then offensively, I think they're starting to get it a little bit. But if you can't pitch and you can't play defense, you're, you're just not going to be able to win very much, especially how good the league is this year. But for them, at least for the moment, they're out of the bottom two. And then they'll have to be terribly concerned about not making the tournament because right now that's Arkansas State and after in the bottom two spots. Yeah, uh, do you, I mean, I think Arkansas State can move up, but I, I'm not I'm not seeing a whole lot from App State that I, I feel confident they can that they can move up in those standings. But the, I know before it, when we talked about their starting pitching, it, it was it was good enough to at least keep them in games with Todd Hill, with Tuish, and with Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton was the league leader in strikeouts for a while, and it looks like he's gotten hit around over the last two weekends. Bullpen-wise, Ellington is not the same guy that he was a year ago. I know he went four and a third in his one outing over the weekend and gave up just one run, so maybe things are turning at least a little bit. But for an offense that doesn't have a whole lot of pop outside of Cole and Austin St. Laurent, the transfer from East Carolina, they've got to play a very specific way, and they've got to be able to make every play defensively to just be in weekends. And I say that one of their victories in conference was against Georgia Southern, but they had two home runs that game. Eagles didn't pitch well enough to get the sweep. And it seems like that that was a long, long time ago, but for some reason it just hasn't sustained for App State and part of the reason why they've dropped their last nine in conference. You know, you, you talk about looking back. I mean, I, I know the, 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 the Cajuns are, are going to, are going to look back and see that Troy series where we got swept uh not very healthy there but i mean if 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 that doesn't happen if even the cajuns can take one you know they're 10 at six you know i think there's more I, I think in baseball you have to have a very short memory but looking back i know at the end of the season you're going to kick yourself on some of these it, so. it's it all depends on when you play people and when you look at the schedule it shouldn't matter but it does I know the Cajuns weren't quite right going to Troy there were a couple of guys that were either banged up or not on the roster anymore and Troy was able to do enough in that second game hitting three home runs late and getting the walk-off victory but then South Alabama goes there takes two out of three but they were swept at Georgia State Georgia State comes here got swept Georgia Southern goes to Louisiana loses two out of three it, it, it's a cycle you could tie everybody to everybody and you can say well we beat them they beat them they beat them we should beat that other team it doesn't work like that in baseball because if your pitching's not right and your defense isn't right anybody can beat anybody well Cajun fans should know that in 2014 a uh we were seated number one we were hosting a regional and and uh, a Jackson State team came in and I, I want to say uh we lost I know we lost the game one nothing, but their you know their pitcher couldn't throw over eighty five miles an hour, and you know unfortunately they uh, I think that's how it goes sometimes though it's yeah crazy. Ex exactly exactly that's that's kind of my point, and you see the log jam there in the standings. But you brought up Troy, South Alabama. Uh, I was kind of glad to see a little bit of a split there with with Troy and South Alabama. I didn't want one team to get too ahead uh, in the in the standings. Um, What's going on with South Alabama and their pitching, especially? Uh, are, are their starters starting to get healthy? Are they still struggling with uh, injuries? 
Well, Miles Smith had been skipping a start because of elbow inflammation. He came back out of the bullpen this past week. He followed Matt Boswell in that first game and actually got the victory. South Alabama had some late offense, and they won that first game. The benefit that those two got is that they played that doubleheader on Friday that the Arkansas teams did. And so not only did they get Sunday like everybody else did, but they got Saturday, too, to go into this week. But I remember us talking last week that I couldn't figure out who was going to win that series just because Troy is good at home, but South seems to have this ability to win anywhere because of how good their defense is. They're number one in the league in fielding percentage almost every year. That's been a staple for Calvi. Offensively, it looks like they figured it out. They're number two in the league in average right now behind Little Rock, but it's it was the late offense that won them game one and really the late offense that won them game three after went to 11 innings. Casey Donaldson had come off the bench. He gave them a three-run home run for the lead in game three, and then he hits a three-run double in the 11th as part of that six-run rally. So <laughs> that was a nice way to be able to contribute when you didn't start the game. But if, if you're in South's camp, you probably feel pretty good hosting Georgia Southern this weekend, especially knowing that the Eagles just entered the top 25 and South has kind of had Georgia Southern's number beating them in the championship game in 17 and in 21. And outside of a couple of series victories in Statesboro, South has had the had the upper hand more often than not. They can hit. They've got several transfers. We talked about Miles Simmington before out of Purdue. He's somebody that might be shorter than me, and I'm only 5'6", but he's still hitting close to 400. It just He has a way to get barrel to ball. They're great at getting the leadoff guy on base. They generate offense with the hit and run, and they've long been the best team in this league in scoring runs with two outs. So if that persists and they confirm up their bullpen, they could easily become the most feared team in this league, and that's considering the two other teams in this league are already ranked right now. Yeah, you know, South Alabama is a, a, a team last year that we, that was at the top of the standings because of pitching and defense, and they I think they were at the I think they were last in hitting, or if not last, close to it. But this year they seem to be hitting as well. So uh, it, was a, it was a year ago where South was below a three ERA and their pitching was outstanding, but their batting average as a team was below 240. But because yeah. they pitched and they played defense, they were still beating teams. Now they're getting back to uh, kind of the way they were the couple of years before when they had their mashers and they they were more of a patch the pitching together. They might have had a guy or two, but you're you're getting a little bit of the best of both worlds with the average up. But the guys that were there last year are still there outside of Jeremy Lee. It sounds like his season is over. The elbow problems are just something that he's not going to be able to come back from. But when you've got Boswell, Miles Smith, and JoJo Booker still being able to pitch on the weekend, good luck. That's Whoever a shame. Are, good luck with it. Yeah, that's a shame about Jeremy Lee, though. He uh he, he had some stuff so uh you're listening we're talking with craig malasa and danny reed of the georgia, georgia southern sports network danny the two uh games let's get into the final two uh series this weekend let's go with the cajuns ulm first talk my cajun fans off the ledge there with ulm taking a game there the way they did uh more so than them just winning i think was the most discouraging part for cajun fans yeah, let's start with the fact that you're trying to win a series every weekend. I know that the standard has been, or at least the standard wants to be, you want to sweep everybody, you want to win every game. It's all well and good. It's not realistic. And I know that in 2014, 58 and 10 was amazing, but it's not realistic to think that you're going to be able to win every single game. Everybody's too good, especially in this league this year. So the object should be to the objective should be to win every series. Get two out of three, handle your midweeks, and then see where things go. 
but you, the way that you phrased it, it's not the loss. It's the fact that ULM, the supposed rival, the travel partner, whatever way you want to put it, scores five in the ninth inning, helped out by a balk, a go-ahead home run, and then they make an outstanding defensive play with one out in the bottom of the ninth inning to make sure that the Cajuns didn't come back. Now, the other two games, Cajuns handled their business. Those games were not competitive. They were able to hit. They were able to do what they wanted to. But for ULM, what was that? That was the first time they won a conference game at Teague Field in 10 years. A conference game? That sounds about right. Uh, because they won the midweek game. You guys had a midweek game, which yep. doesn't count towards Sunbelt standings. But eventually that was going to go in the other direction. I know you still have dominated the recent history. But I'm going to guess ULM thought that if they could get a rally going, that was a game that they had to have because they're kind of in that bottom two territory. They're up two and a half games on App State as we speak for that number 11 spot, but they have a really thin ice that they skate on because if they slip one or two weekends, they may not have a postseason. Yeah. Uh, I I want to say, trying to think of the year, we went up there and uh, I think they, they took one of the games from us. I think the last game of the series, we're 32 and three against them over the last 35 games, but who's counting? Uh, <laughs> but no, I think we went up there in the last game of uh, the series. They won that game to get off the snide with after 25 straight victories by the Cajuns, which propelled them into the conference tournament, where I want to say they got into the semifinals that year. That was at Coastal, if I remember correctly. But I don't know. Um, well, I, I, it always worries me when that, when we play them and, uh, I'm glad it's over with. So <laughs> the, uh, big series of the weekend though, in, in my opinion, Georgia state and Georgia Southern, um, man, there was some hitting in that game, those games, some, uh, I, I know, uh, Thursday game was low scoring, but you expect that on the Thursday quote Friday night game. Uh, but Let's talk about that. Eleven uh, one on 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 uh, Friday, and then ten eight on Saturday. Georgia State is is are, are they struggling? Or are you guys just playing that well right now? No, they're not struggling. They're they're very good. That their their pitching is going to be their downfall, and I'll get to why in a little bit. But offensively, they came in with the number two batting average in the league. The, the lineup has more presence than they've had since they got back in this conference. And you guys will get a chance to see that a little bit later on with Boynton at 6-6 in the middle of the order with Ryerson leading the league in home runs, batting sixth. And Griffin Chaney is probably the league's player of the year. I know that Carson Rockford has some things to say about that and maybe Dalton Shuffield at Texas State. And there's some guys in that conversation. But numbers-wise, Chaney came into the weekend hitting close to 400, 12 home runs. He played really well on defense. They've got him batting second right now. And even though he routinely gets behind 0-2, 1-2 and counts, he just has this knack for putting the bat to the ball and getting on base. Georgia Southern was able to shut him down after he had two hits in the first game. But they, they hit. They put the ball in play. They were known more for their home runs before they got to Statesboro, but they shortened up quite a bit. They were attacking early, and they got nine hits off of Ty Fisher. But he settled in. He scattered those hits. He only gave up the two first-inning runs, and then the Eagles found a way to get those two with two outs in the seventh inning. Jason Swan ties it with a single to right, and then a throwing error on a cutoff from right field. 
to third base. The throwing gear ends up scoring Jesse Sherrill. Eagles added another run in the eighth. Game two, Eagles thankfully were able to get up early. They haven't done that very much this year. They got up. They got a big rally in the sixth inning and won convincingly. And then, I mean, for Saturday to get down 6 nothing, but to just chip away from the third inning on and finally get to a point where you could tie it in the seventh and then win it in the eighth. The find away has been the theme for a while now, and the guys are embracing it. And this team is just showing more ways of how much fun they can be to watch. Out of curiosity, was that uh, was that game on Saturday always scheduled that late? No, we were supposed to play at two o'clock, got to the field and the forecast did not look good. So they ended up delaying it until five. And you could do that because that's the one benefit of playing this Thursday through Saturday against your travel partner. The travel for whoever's on the road is as minimal as possible. And that's that's another reason why I really like that rivalry weekend has moved up to now. And that's a credit to Coach Rome and Coach Babb and also Ty Harrington at Texas State. They were all big proponents of making sure that nobody played on Easter Sunday and making sure that the travel partner game is played this weekend is, is a really good idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, cause I think when we talked last weekend, I was like, I was really excited because you, you were starting about three hours before the Cajuns were starting. I was yes. going to be able to watch <laughs> a good bit. And, then, and then, I, then I get up on Saturday morning. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm getting my stuff ready and I'm, I'm looking at the schedule and all of a sudden I'm like, well, what the heck? I mean, you guys, uh, and, and I'm going like, well, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it was, maybe I saw the wrong schedule. Well, it helped, it helped Georgia State. They got three runs in the first, three in the second. They were up 6 nothing before Georgia Southern could wipe the sleepies out their eyes. But once they got the offense figured out and the bullpen was able to shut Georgia State down, they only had two solo home runs over the final seven innings. And even for State, they had their pitching stocked out of their bullpen. They've got a big three with Treadway, with Jones, and with Watson. They went to their closer, Ryan Watson, in the fourth inning. Eagles had the bases loaded, down four. They went to Watson in the fourth inning because Brad Stromdahl thought that that could have been the game. He got Christian Avant to fly out to the warning track in center, and you felt, okay, that might have been one the Eagles let go, even though they scored in that inning. Watson ended up throwing three plus. They went to go to Jones. They didn't go back to Treadway because the Eagles didn't give them the chance. But if you're in Georgia State's camp, knowing that you had your best arms and you still couldn't hold a six run lead, that's got to be pretty unsettling, especially when you came to town in first place and you left in third. It, it, are, are we going to see more of that? Because I, I find I'm a little bit surprised when Coach Steggs does it, but I'm seeing it more in it's very early in the Major League Baseball season. I mean, it, it does you no good to bring in your closer if, 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 if at the end of the game, if you can't get to the end of the game, I guess is my point. Everybody views different parts of the game differently. You got 300 or so Division One teams. They're all going to look at it differently. And I believe that for Georgia State, they lost the first two games. They felt like they had to get one. And their best chance to get out of that jam, even though it was only the fourth inning, was to go to their closer. And the benefit of Watson is he was their number one starter at the beginning of last season. So it wasn't as if he was coming in for one guy or just a couple of pitches. He hadn't thrown all week, or he did throw an inning against Georgia Tech on Tuesday in the game that they won in Atlanta, but he hadn't thrown all weekend. They could get him stretched out. He still had the durability and the endurance. In that eighth inning, when Georgia Southern was putting the finishing touches on the rally, but 
if it happens to another team, maybe the Cajuns go to Bonds, maybe they don't, maybe the Eagles go to Chase Thompson there, maybe they go to Javon Ray if he wasn't starting. It, it's just hard to say what other teams would have done in the same situation, but that's what State did. Ultimately, though, they didn't have that guy that they could go to to make sure that they stuck with the lead later in the game. But the Eagles, they just kept battling and they kept getting good at bats and they kept scoring. Well, Danny, let's take our, our break and then we'll come right back and uh, we'll get into uh, some midweek games this week and then uh, talk about uh, what's coming up next weekend. Uh, baseball, we're at the halfway point. It's going to be fun uh, to see how this plays out the rest of the, the, rest of the time with the Sunbelt Conference. So we're listening. We're talking today. Craig Malas on Danny Reed, the Georgia Southern Sports Network. We'll be right back after this quick timeout. Welcome back into We're Talking Today. Craig Malasso and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Let's start with the midweek games. We're not going to go through them all, but I think there's a couple of them that are interesting. Uh, first, uh, Kennesaw State visiting Georgia State in Atlanta. The thing I like about this one, it's a 3 p.m. game, so I get some day baseball here at the office. You got to make sure somebody's covering it. Yeah. Uh, it's on ESPN plus. So we're good okay. there. Uh, Kennesaw state is, it, I, they've got a pretty good team. Um, if I remember correctly, they're, they're decent RPI team too, for, for a Sunbelt. Am I, am I wrong there? No, they're still, they're still top 20 in the RPI. And they actually lost their series this past weekend. They had a home series against Liberty. They dropped the first two games. They did take the finale, but they're still top 20 in the RPI. And after the Eagles get back from this four-game road trip, that's a game that they're going to play twice. They had a game the week before that they were leading into Texas State. That got postponed. So Kennesaw State is going to come down to Statesboro. That'll be a Tuesday and a Wednesday game before Coastal gets here to start that eight-game homestand. Um. Coastal and Charlotte, I, I, Charlotte is uh, middle of the pack team right now from what I'm seeing. But at the same time, that's I think that's a, a that's a must win, not necessarily for any reason, except that you want to beat your peer conferences, which Charlotte is in. Especially for for Coastal, if they can continue to show people that they can win on the road and get rid of that stigma that they're only a team that can dominate you at home, then maybe they can get back to being the kind of presence that they were not all that long ago, but it's, it's still, you, you still need to keep showing, you still need to keep winning. And yeah, a, a series sweep looks good. It, it may be not be as impressive if it's at app. And I say that eight Georgia Southern couldn't pull that off a couple of weeks ago, but they still won all three. They swept three games at Arkansas state, which didn't look to be terribly competitive. I, I think they're seven and two on the road in conference. Those only two losses were, at Texas State, that's the series that they probably should have won two out of three. And like I just talked about, they're going to be coming down here for that series next weekend when the Eagles get back from South Alabama. But you got if you handle your business in the midweek, then it looks that looks it makes that record look a whole lot better when March time comes around if you don't happen to win your tournament. Uh, UTSA twenty four and twelve visiting Texas State again. I think. Uh... A must win. And Texas State has shown that they've got some arms that they can pitch during midweek games with with two close games with uh, Texas and taking Texas down also. But I think that's a must win for the Sunbelt Conference there. 
that's a good RPI game for Texas State and one that would help their resume. They're still the top-ranked team in the league at 17th. But UTSA has had a really nice season, and I will be interested to see who Texas State goes to because against going with Travis Sundgren, but Sundgren threw out of the bullpen at UT Arlington. So if Stephen Trout makes the switch, that could be a guy in Wofford that they would lose on the weekend. But if they feel that Sundgren is in a better spot to pitch on the weekend, then that could, that could possibly be rearranging just to make sure that they're even better in the midweek, but still handling the weekend. But that's uh, that might be the best midweek game this week. Uh, I, I would agree. Um, you've got a couple of the games. I'm not giving much hope for App State and Wake Forest, although I'm not sure what Wake Forest is doing there, but they're uh, as far as uh, this season. But an ACC team, App State has not shown that they can they can play at this point with them. Um, Arkansas State going to Arkansas again, another game that uh, it'd be great for the Sunbelt Conference, but it's not going to happen. But Little Rock, that, go ahead. That's a big deal for Arkansas State because they're finally playing Arkansas and things. Last year they played two games in Fayetteville, and that was – that was a really big deal because they hadn't played them at all. They're finally getting in football, but it's not until 25. But at least the, the longstanding policy that Arkansas would not play in-state schools has finally gone away. And that began with Little Rock in baseball a couple of years before. But it is good to see that Arkansas is playing everybody to just try to keep that money in-state and just try to create those regional rivalries against teams that they should be. But at the same time, you've got to generate in-state interest with all your schools because you have quite a few within the state lines. Totally agree there. Little Rock at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech is uh, is a very good ball club, but uh, Little Rock is still somewhat, I won't say an enigma, but but Little Rock is a team that can hit the ball. They're 300 in, batting 300 in conference play at the top of the uh, of, of, of the batting uh, and hitting in the Sun Belt. Is that something – I mean, the Cajuns split with little, uh, with Louisiana Tech. Is that something that, I mean, Little Rock can take care of business, or is it something where Louisiana Tech can hit the ball also? Does Little Rock have the pitching, I guess? In the midweek, it's always hard to tell with everybody, but with Little Rock, that's that's been their calling card for a long time, especially since Chris Curry got there. They've always been able to hit. But I know that La Tech is really good at the Lup Shack, so – they might have to score a lot to get that win, but that would be a big win for the conference as well. I hope I hope they can take that one. Uh, Louisiana at LSU. Uh, rumor is is that this is the last Wally Pontiff Classic, so uh, I'm not sure LSU's team is LSU. The baseball in Louisiana has been somewhat uh, a strange season. We're not seeing what we what we're I guess what we're used to maybe in, in that sense, but what about the Cajuns and, and the Tigers there? I know how much that game means to both because just talking with Jay about it before, and I've hold him, heard him tell the story about Wally Pontiff on the broadcast. I know that game was played at the Shrine on Airline quite a bit, so I know that how much it means for the Cajuns to play the Tigers and how meaningful it was to get them back to Teague Field within the last few years and truly open up a home-and-home home against LSU. If that is the last game, that is disappointing, but there could be other mitigating circumstances that I'm not aware of. I mean, with, L with LSU, you've always got to be worried about their offense. Dylan Cruz is one of the top players in the country. They're always going to have that star power, but if you can find a way to get to the pitching, then 
it's a midweek baseball game. And I know we talk about that almost every week, but in the midweek, you always feel like you can give yourself a chance, but you got to be able to score a little bit. Yeah. When I say it's the end of the Wally Ponoff classic, uh, uh, it's not the end of uh, LSU and the Cajuns playing. So uh, with, with uh, the Shrine on Airline closing uh, for baseball with no minor league team there anymore, uh, it's one of those things I'm not sure it means the same going playing the game in Alex's box as it would in a neutral side game. Uh, lastly, Georgia Southern visiting Florida State. Big, big, big game, in my opinion, on Wednesday. It is considering that Florida State just swept Louisville at home last weekend and they had dropped seven out of nine before they went 4-0 last week all at home. Team that can, team that strikes out a lot. They're striking out about 11 times per game. Alex Toraldo's had 11 home runs. He's one of the most imposing first basemen in the country. Thankfully, the Eagles don't have to deal with their weekend rotation because Parker Messick is the ACC pitcher of the year and just struck out 14 guys over the weekend against Louisville. So just keep him on the weekend. Eagles don't have to worry about seeing him. The way this works out is since Georgia Southern is heading to Mobile this weekend, it's really nice to hit Tallahassee on the way to make it a shorter drive on Thursday to get to Eddie Stanky Field. And there's a lot of tie-in between the two. They haven't met since 2014 when the Eagles went down there in their last trip to the NCAA tournament. Sam Howard threw the shutout and beat Florida State, who was the number five national seed that year. And, of course, with head coach Jack Stallings, he led Florida State. I knew we were going to have a couple of these. Passing away in the summer of 2019. So there's going to be a lot to talk about with that one. So y'all are heading straight from Tallahassee over to South Alabama. Yeah, we are going to be leaving here Wednesday morning, play there Wednesday night, stay in Tallahassee, and then finish up the trip Thursday, play Friday through Sunday in Mobile. Good deal. We're doing a similar situation uh, uh, in a couple weeks, heading to Rice and then heading over to Texas State. So um, three series that uh, I, I think advantage possibly to the, uh, the higher – ranked team in the conference uta coastal carolina traveling to coastal carolina i think that should i'm not going to say it's baseball it's never easy but that that should be a series that coastal should take yes they, yes they should <laughs> there's okay. not a whole lot i can give you on that one but that, that is one that coastal should be able to handle yeah and then uh troy here, here's one that i find very in, uh, interesting though troy at arkansas state if Arkansas State has truly woken up, if they've gotten a little bit of uh, uh, confidence from the Little Rock series, uh, you know, Troy's on the road at Arkansas State. Is that is that a series that Arkansas State can take? And I know that's kind of dumb to ask it that way because I know it, it it's a possibility, but. Troy is pitching a lot better this year, not just at the top of the rotation, but collectively the bullpen has gotten very very good and that makes sense because Skyler Mead the first year head coach has a pitching background after his tenure at South Carolina working with Mark Kingston Arkansas State is going to be able to give themselves a chance with the top of that batting order if they can keep everybody healthy pitching wise Will Nash is capable Justin Medlin is capable and he was good in that game one against Little Rock he only gave up one run and that's six to five win. If they can find a number three starter and if they can have some at-bat consistency and not let Troy dominate at home, 
you just saw that maybe they're a little bit vulnerable at home with South Alabama going there and taking two out of three. And remember, Little Rock went there and took two out of three, too. And you just took two straight from Little Rock at their place. So if you can look at it through that lens, it's not as as unlikely as it was before the weekend when they were 0-12. But as we've also brought up, they could probably have been 6-6 six and six in those 12 games instead of being winless. It's, it's just been so close for them in so many different ways. Um, Little Rock and Texas State, I, I think it's a series that Texas State should handle and should handle easily, but at the same time, again, it's baseball. Yeah, they should if they back up their number 17 ranking despite as as well as Little Rock can, can hit. I just I, – I find that one being a tough one to swing Little Rock because Texas State is very good. I, th- I think that Texas State is the best team in the league at this point, and the rankings show that. But if, if Little Rock is going to try to make any hay this year, that's one that they got to be able to pick up. You know, uh, to me, it seems like every weekend, especially during conference play, there there are two what I would call premier matchups. Let's go with the first one, Louisiana, Louisiana at Georgia State. The uh, we just we just saw what Georgia State uh, got swept in Statesboro, but the Cajuns are going to Atlanta to Pantherville. What can we expect in that? They can hit. They've, they've got a really good order, and Brad Stromdahl has the order finally set. They've got Josh Smith, who's the number three outfielder in this league, draft eligible that's rated by D1 Baseball. They've got him batting at the bottom of the order. He's starting to figure some things out. He had a home run and a double against Georgia Tech on Tuesday. He had some base running blunders in the series down here, but somebody that's Got a lot of athleticism and a strong arm in right field in addition to finding his stroke at the plate. But the key to them has been Griffin Cheney, former walk-on, fifth-year senior. He's having an amazing year. Mentioned it earlier, he's probably the front-runner for player of the year at this point. He he just gives them so much punch out of that number two spot, and they can set things up for Cameron Jones, who plays first, and Luke Boyden, who's been their DH. He is such a presence in the middle of that lineup. More than half of his hits have gone for extra bases. And the same thing for Max Ryerson, who hits sixth in the order, but he leads the league with 13 home runs. You, you can't make a mistake because they're going to make you pay. I'm interested to see how their approach adapts from week to week, because even though they did hit two home runs on Saturday, they weren't trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark much of the weekend. They were shortening up. They were trying to go quick offense and rack up the hits against the Eagles. They didn't get a lot of runs outside of game three. Eagles only gave up three runs combined in those first two games, and two of those were in the first inning of game one. But I wonder if they're going to go back to slugging since they're in their own ballpark and how they're going to be able to pitch because Georgia Southern definitely found some weaknesses in that bullpen, and that's with them throwing some of their best guys. But I am curious to see if they can back up home field against the Cajuns who are trying to finish top four as well. Uh, Great analysis. Thank you. Uh, Georgia Southern at South Alabama. Like I said, I think there's been two premier games, and it seems like we're always talking about Georgia Southern in what premier game of the week. I mean, I, hopefully you guys' schedule gets a little bit easier, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing it, you know. So Georgia Southern and South Alabama, what do the Eagles need to do? Oh, it's it's, it's going to be a bear. It always is at Eddie Stanky Field. It's it's one of the tougher places to play. They're so good at home. They've got so much starting pitching. Their lineup is a lot better this year, average wise, than it was last year. And that's considering that Ethan Wilson left early. He was a second round pick in the draft, but they they just they hurt you in so many ways. 
and you know that they're going to be jacked up to beat a team that has beaten the first place team in the league each of the last two weekends, taking two or three at Texas State, sweeping Georgia State, and Texas State can thank the Eagles because that's why they're back in first, even though the Eagles are only a game out at 11-4. and four. South Alabama's two back of that at nine and six. This is chop licking time for them, but also for Georgia Southern now that they're nationally ranked for the first time in nine years. Hopefully they don't look at that as a thing that you could be satisfied with because once that sets in, it's complacency and it would erase a lot of the things that they've done up until this point. But knowing the personality and the grinding nature of this team, I don't think that that's going to be a concern. What I do get concerned with is how good South Alabama is at home and how well they pitch. So that's going to make this weekend series an absolute bear. Well, it's going to be a fun weekend of baseball again. And uh, I'm, I my plan is to be in Atlanta right now, so I don't know that I'll be able to see uh, all of the uh, any of the other games because usually when I'm on the road, it's not something that I I have time with with some of the riffraff that I hang out with. We're usually doing something else. Do you so, take your radio with you on the road? I do. I just bought a FM transmitter for uh, for uh, for Jay to use on the road. So, uh, but I do have my radio. Are you guys on a station in Atlanta? Not baseball. Okay. Okay. And and actually for football season, we're working on a couple of affiliates that would stretch us deeper into Atlanta, but that's that's something that we'll take care of during the summer. But for baseball, it's mostly South Georgia. Well, the nice part about it is with baseball, with the uh, varsity app, uh, I can listen to you uh, while still sitting at a game. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the tran the FM transmitter works. Uh, it's it's not as robust as the one y'all had, uh, which I understand was broken when you came to uh, the Teague. So, yeah. which I was a little disappointed in. So oh, we've been disappointed about it too. Don't. <laughs> well, this, this one I was able to pick up for for under fifty dollars. So it only does right. a half mile, which you know, that's all you need really. Right. Uh, but uh, it comes in on Tuesday, so I'll be interested to see how it works and everything. The, the You mentioned the Varsity Network. That's been a really important get for the Sun Belt, and it's been able to benefit so many schools and so many programs across the country. A lot of people have listened to tune in for years, but you can feel the tweaks that have been made with the sound quality and the ability to pause live radio and be able to sync it up if you're watching on linear TV or watching on a stream. They've smoothed that process out a lot, and that's that's been really good, being able to have the Varsity Network this year. I don't know what it is about ESPN Plus this year, but I have not been able to sync up Jay with 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 the uh, with the video because it, the video, it seems like it speeds up just a hair to where I'm having to pause it every 30 yeah. seconds. And, and it's very frustrating because I, I don't know. It, it, and it seems like they make up the time uh in, in the break because it's never that far off when you come back from break but it's just enough to speed it up i'm going like why should you care who i'm listening to i'm watching your stream so but when i watch it on the computer it does not speed up it seems to it syncs up fine so i don't know hmm. well danny thank you so much uh uh for for, for your time here to all the teams out there though the, the I know the season is more than halfway done, 
but we're only we just finished halfway through the conference season season so we've got a lot of baseball to be played and there's going to be some very good baseball in montgomery this year in my opinion yeah the, the tournament was awesome last year and that's when you had a bunch of solid teams not really a great team this year i think you have maybe four or five really good teams and that could make for an even better tournament but they're still 20 games left or so for everybody and who's going to finish where and who's going to have a shot in an at large. Those will be the things to watch down the stretch once we get to tournament play. But I'm excited about, especially this week, getting to not only go to Tallahassee on Wednesday, but see what the Eagles can do in Mobile this weekend. Well, I'm not, I don't want to bring it I know it's important to finish in that top six and it's even more important sometimes to finish in that top two, because then you're playing a team that has played already in the tournament. But I don't want to get into a whole lot of that this week. We'll get as we get closer. We'll talk about the advantages and disadvantages uh, playing in the conference tournament. So, any last words of wisdom for all of the Sun Belt Conference baseball fans that are out there? I, I would say buckle in because your team may not be who you think they are, and they may be exactly who you think they are. But that's the that's to be found out over these next few games and weeks. Good deal. Uh, you've been listening to We're Talking with Craig Malonsaw and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Next Network. We'll talk to you next week. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.